Welcome to Deep Spirituality. Today we're going to be uh, discussing a section of our How to Have a Quiet Time series, which you can find at www.deepspirituality.net. And so if you haven't had an opportunity to read it, study it, put it into your rotation of tools that you use to make your relationship with God and your quiet times more um, exciting, inspiring, deep, uh, spiritual, go ahead and check it out. We think it has a lot of potential for providing insight, um, for helping people be able to get new ideas about how to view God, how to talk to God, how to walk with God. And today, I'm with Nathan Shafenoff and Vince Lynn, and we're going to be talking about a section called Finding a Sacred Space. And so I'm going to be bringing those guys in in a minute because we're just going to go through this section, Finding a Sacred Space. It's step three. Again, if you go to the uh, site, www.deepspirituality.net, you'll find that the entire How to Have a Great Quiet Time uh, series is set up in sections. And you just go to the Finding a Sacred Space section, uh, and you can get the information and the insights there. But finding a sacred space, let's just start with the scripture that uh, can be found in the article, which frames the discussion well. Be still. This is sacred time and space. Do not mourn. Nehemiah 8, 11, in the voice translation. So when you guys read that scripture, just starting with that scripture, what does that mean to you or say to you when you see sacred space sacred time and be still i think of that it's nobody's nobody else is involved nobody else is in that time uh it's an isolated time between you and god um i know when i was reading the section finding sacred space i realized i actually like can prefer to be distracted in my quiet times where my mind's running um, I, I'm thinking, trying to organize my day in my mind, kind of the things ahead. And I realized my times with God aren't very sacred and it's more of a clouded, a distracted space. Um, but then I realized, uh, kind of reflecting on that, that I can prefer to be distracted because I don't want to go deeper. What's the impact of being distracted? Because um, a lot of people talk about being distracted, but you know, one of the things I, I want to talk about today and in the ensuing um, podcast that we're going to have on this series about how to have a great quiet time is I think a lot of people talk about the tools like finding sacred space or praying in a certain way, but they don't connect it to real change. And one of the things I've been working on is actually making changes, changes with regard to emotionalism in my life, changes with regard to the belief and faith I have that God is powerfully working in my life and asking myself the question, what has happened to wonder? Like, where's the miraculous thing that happens on a weekly monthly, daily basis. So when you talk about distraction, it would be helpful to kind of, for the listeners, I think, to know how does that play out in your life, making you more powerful, making you stronger, making you more spiritual? Probably, it does make me more powerful, stronger, and spiritual, probably more less powerful, stronger, and spiritual. I think a lot of times my emotions can run wild with the anxieties of uh, responsibilities at work, the projects that I'm under uh, or, you know, a part of and wanting to get done and wanting to uh, achieve or to look good uh, to the people that I so, respect. So do you think it's possible to be uh, at peace in the middle of anxiety and work? No. I think so. I think it's absolutely, I think 
it's definitely a yes. I think when when I look at no uh the sacred space and time scripture that right. you just read, um, I think about it as if I'm in the middle of just I'm standing on the water and everything's still. Even the water, there's no ripple. Right. Um I think I think that's what uh when I think about when I read the article, especially in this section, I think about the times that my time with Scott is not rushed. I've set aside of two hours just where I can sit there right. and read. Right. Sit there, meditate either on scripture or something that this scripture is making me think of. Um um so that's what I can think of in terms of sacred time and space. And I think in that, that's the only thing I think about. Not, I need to do this. Not, I need to do something else next. All right, so check this out, right? Nehemiah 8, if you read it in context, in context starting with verse 9. <clears throat> now, as God's law was read, so all the people are gathered together in the book of Nehemiah in chapter 8 and verse 9, all the people gathered together to read, to hear the word read. Now, as God's law was read, the people began to weep. But Nehemiah, the Persians appointed governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and all the ministering Levites said to the people, this day is sacred to the eternal one, your God. It is not a day for mourning and weeping. Go back to your homes and prepare a feast. Bring out the best food and drink you have. And welcome all to your table, especially those who have nothing. This day is special. It is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve over your past mistakes. Let the eternal's own joy be your protection. Be still. This is sacred time and space. Do not mourn. So when you read it in context and you hear it in context, What's happening right there, do you think? Because I think there's a little bit of emotional uh, disturbance going on. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think Nehemiah really tried to encourage people to find the strength in God. Yes. Not, and and, 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 and did, but do you see what he's doing here? He's, creating sac- he's t- calling on them to create sacred space in the middle of extraordinary emotion. Yep. So I, in this section where we talk about finding a sacred space— Eventually, we're going to talk about creating a sacred space. But right off the top, one of the things based on what Nathan was saying is, I think we make a mistake if we think that our quiet time stops at our quiet time. Mm -hmm. If, in fact, you find peace in your relationship with God, you should be walking through life in the middle of chaos, being able to stand on that lake you were talking about, Vince. And that's what it ought to be like. Does that make sense? Does that that, that resonate with you? You got kind of quiet over there, Nathan. No, I was... As you're reading the scripture, I I felt peaceful, like listening to it. Yes, because even the part in verse ten in the voice, uh, this is Nehemiah eight. Yes, verse ten says, "Do not grieve over your past mistakes." Like he's like, "Let go, like let go of everything." Yes, and like just be here in this time with God, and like let go of the emotions, let go of like you know yes. anything that might be weighing you down. See, I I think one of the mistakes we make and, and look, I I'm I'm somebody who experiences as much or more anxiety as anybody because I'm a very emotional person. 
But I think we do God a disservice when we remove the power from our relationship with God and we think the only time we can be at peace is when we're having a quiet time. Mm -hmm. A quiet time is the floor, the foundation of peace. And then when you go through life, if you have a good one, you're going to be more at peace. Let's take a look right. at let's take a look at the rest of what we're talking about today. The phrase quiet time would indicate two things. There should be quiet and we should devote time. In my experience, there's been more emphasis on time than quiet. This section I'm finding a sacred space is meant to bring balance. So balance would be emotional balance, spiritual balance. That has a lot to do with motives, thoughts, what's going on inside of us. In Psalm 131, he talks about the fact there should be a stillness that comes about us where we've banished all the things that are too great or too awesome for us to handle. And so I think what we want to do with today is not just go with what's written, but really talk about for all three of us, how do we do better spiritually? How do we stop being fearful? How do we stop being anxious? How do we enter that sacred time and space so that we can get there? So when I look at that balance part, I think it's emotional and spiritual. And so when I think about those two things, both of you guys are fairly young marrieds, mm -hmm. and you're certainly younger than me. When you look at that concept of balance, having a quiet time, where the emphasis isn't just on time, but it's on quiet, but then extending this to say the quiet should go beyond the time you spend with God. And you apply that to work, friendships, um, uh, marriage, family, extended family, uh, events, uh, finances. When you apply it to all those things, talk to me about whether or not what you're doing now provides you with that. Because I think a lot of people out there listening will probably be going, hey, man, I really want to think about this and talk about this, how much your relationship with God provides you with that. Because I think a lot of what we do, even on our podcast sometimes, is we can be so theoretical mm -hmm. that we're not actually proving to anybody that it works. And hmm. part of what it is is, can I talk about how it works or how it doesn't work and how I need to move forward? So talk to me a little bit about that, about that sense of do you have the balance? Do you even think about having the balance? Do you have that balance in marriage? Do you have that balance at work? Are you able to withstand, you know, a lot of outside external pressures and still, you know, deliver in life because of this finding of sacred space? Make, make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, first of all, I don't always think about balance. I think about what I need to do, <laughs> how I need to react. Right. right. That's usually my first go-to. Right. And I would say for uh, in the last, not this week, but previous two weeks, I've been studying out surrendering in my quiet time. That's interesting. Okay. Okay. Uh, just, I feel the, I feel like, man, there are things in my life I don't feel like it's fair. And, uh, you know, people who are helping me was challenging me to learn to be humble and start looking at things from God's perspective. Interesting. And so surrendering was something that I was like, maybe that's something that I need a deeper understanding was surrendering. So when you say surrendering, are you talking, I think I, I know what you're talking about, but are you talking about control, giving up control? Giving up control, giving up my own point of, point of view. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think what I was searching for is God's understanding about my life. Yes. And I think that's what brings me to the balance is I have to understand, for me, I think I have to understand what does God think? What does God say? Right. 
versus my thinking. What does I say? What do I say? Well, most people want to go by what they say. Why? Why? What? What would be the reason to? Like, I don't. Okay, so I love what you're saying, but I want people out there to understand why is it so important for you to know God's perspective. I think it's important for me to go. This is this is my life with God, and I uh, was I really want to do this right. I don't want. I feel like since I've become a disciple, I've learned to really do things going against uh, what I want, and believing that sometimes that is important to do to um, build my life. Yes. Um, and, uh, I think ultimately I, I want a relationship with God. So here's the interesting thing. And I think, I, I think I understand what you're talking about. And this is a good conversation because again, we're not just going to go by what's written on the page, uh, in our, in our study. We're going to talk about what does it mean to find sacred space? And I think finding sacred space is not limited to your moment you have with God. Cause I think a lot of people find peace in their quiet time because, they are by themselves and it's quiet and they have some time to reflect and think. But if they're like me, oftentimes when I get up from my quiet time, every bit of that peace that I develop flows away. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in seconds, sometimes in minutes, sometimes it takes an hour or two or three, but eventually something happens and everything I had that morning going on is gone yeah. just like that. And so when you're talking about this idea of surrendering and that, you find peace there, which I 100% agree with you on. Because I think if one of you guys looks up Psalm 131, that's a great passage to be read about that. But something I think that would be interesting for me to put before your events is this question. Because you're, you're juxtaposing or com- sort of comparing and contrasting your will and desire versus God's will and desire. Now, if you look at the Bible, um, let's take Psalm 37, for instance. He says, delight yourself in the Lord. And he says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. All right? So how do you know that what your desires and wants are aren't what God wants for you? And therefore, why would you have to surrender? Pardon the interruption, but I wanted to let you guys know about a new thing we have going on at DeepSpirituality.net. At Deep Spirituality, we believe when we spend time alone with God, it should be the most delightful experience of our day, anticipated, cherished, and then savored. That is why we developed How to Have a Quiet Time, a comprehensive guide. This guide breaks down every aspect of having a quiet time with God from choosing the Bible translation that will help you connect with God differently, using a journal to record the stages of your journey with God, to learning how to move God in prayer. Head over to www.deepspirituality.net to check out the comprehensive guide. Whether the day is good or bad, hard or easy, painful or pleasurable, it is our morning time with God that should help us sing with joy or endure with gritty determination. Make sure to go to www.deepspirituality.net to check out the comprehensive guide of how to have your quiet time. Now, back to the show. So let's use an example. You're wearing a Superman shirt. What if God, because we're recording on Halloween, what if God wants you to be Superman? Like he wants you to fly, he wants you to be, see, what is he, bulletproof? 
uh, X-ray vision. Right. Yeah, let's say what does he want you to do that, right? And you've been thinking on your own. I want to be Superman, but sure enough, God doesn't want me to be Superman. But in truth, God does want you to be Superman. So when you say you're seeking his perspective, does that mean that you check and find out, hey, God, here's my dreams. Is this what you want for me? I'm going to go for it. Or does it mean that you assume that your dreams are not God's and therefore you're doing something bad when you dream, so you better give it up and go pursue something that is more what he wants, which may mean like, because I think a lot of people think this, whatever I want, God doesn't want. And so I'm going to lose it if I follow God. And so if I want to be Superman, there's no way he wants me to fly. And because he doesn't want me to fly, I'm not going to even ask him to let me fly. And I think a lot of people are assuming they got to surrender. Sometimes I wonder if God's trying to say, no, no, I want you to do that. And we're sitting there going, I feel guilty doing that. No, I want you to, no, I feel guilty doing that. I can't do that. That can't be what God wants because we have all these layers on. I know I said a lot there. I don't want to be too complicated. And maybe the Superman example is dumb, but that's the best way for me to explain right. what I'm thinking in my head. Right. So I understand what you're asking. Um, for me, um, here's how I can feel like, I, here's how I feel I can explain it. Um, one of my desire is to build deeper relationship with my family. Yes. Who I'm not around with. Right. All right. Um, they are all the way in Taiwan. I'm here in the yes. States. And, uh, and for me, I think my thinking has always been, I got to be with them. I got to do things for them in order for me to build that deeper relationship. Yes. But I think that was something that I get stuck on a lot. Yes. Um, and it's hard to miss out on things. Yes. Birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's yes. Day. Yeah. You know. But I have to go, God knows. I don't think, I don't ever think, and never in the Bible, God says you cannot be close to your parents. So what if, what if, and I know you're going to laugh when I say this, and don't necessarily. <laughs> He's laughing already. He's already. <laughs> Can't hold it together. <laughs> what if God? What if God wants you and your family to live in Hawaii? <laughs> what if that's the plan? What if it's like, you no, know, I don't want you. I don't want you here in the Bay Area working, and I don't want your family in Taiwan working. I want all of you living in in uh, in uh, in Hawaii on what's that island that's really Oahu, Kauai, Kauai, yeah, yeah, that Kauai is that Kauai? what it is? Kauai. 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 What if he wants you all living on Kauai after you make your Academy Award winning film? I said, let's do it. <laughs> so well, here's what I think. I'm, I'm, this is what I'm starting to think. In, the, yeah. in, the, in Romans 8, yeah. in verse 28, in the voice translation, it talks about God works everything out for us to have a beautiful life. I, I, what I've learned in my life is, I, and I'm, I, get, I think everybody listening is in those situations where, you know, it's, it, you, know you work here. Your family's in Taiwan. It's hard to always make every one of the events, so you can't make all the events that you want to make. And I think people feel that that you know they they live in Los Angeles and their family lives in Colorado, or they live in right. in in um, in in, in um, Burlingame and their family lives in Boston. So people feel those things where I can't make all these different things that I want to be a part of. And I think increasingly in the world as we become globalized and technology connects everybody. There's there's not always a um, like the old 1950s when everybody lived on the same street in America. There's <laughs> yeah. not always that 
happening. And so we all deal with that. And those of us who are older, taking care of our family members that that live out. And that causes a lot of internal emotional consternation and anxiety and fear uh, and and constantly leaves us feeling like we're uh, guilty, maybe, that we're not doing something we should be doing for our families. And I think there's not a single person out there who doesn't feel this in one way, shape, or form. Right. Somebody gets a job offer on one coast, but they have family on the other coast. they got to figure out, what am I going to do? If I go, I might be able to make one or two holidays, but I can't make all the moments. Um, and so I, I'm starting to believe, and this to me is part of finding sacred space, is that God always has a beautiful life set for us. He yeah. always has a happy ending for us. Now, some people will disagree and say, no, no, I've seen terrible things happen to people. I'm not saying terrible things don't happen, but I start from the position of God wants something beautiful for us. Mm -hmm. And beautiful doesn't always mean that you're going to be, um, you know, have a lifetime of of free money coming to your account each month. (laughs) Wait, what? Yeah, I'm sorry to break it to you. It could. I don't know. (laughs) Reality has shattered for me. But I think, you know, it's like buying a pair of sneakers. One person's beautiful sneaker is not another's. But Mm -hmm. I think some of where we have to get to is not always to assume that God's perspective is for us to suffer. Yeah. Yeah. And to start thinking the suffering is coming from other places. It's coming from life. It's coming from the forces of darkness and unscrambling the puzzle to understand how God's will and your will actually connect. Yeah, absolutely. That is the beauty of, of, I think, a a relationship with God. And that's where you get your peace. So then in the middle of your stress, you're sitting there going, this is extremely stressful and confusing what I need to do. But I have complete peace because I think how it's going to work out is going to be better. Ephesians three twenty and twenty one mm-hmm. is going to be more than I can ask or imagine. You're yeah. thinking something over there. I, I I relate to that. I think one of the things that happened just a week ago. Once I kind of had a realization about the surrendering and what it meant for me. Yes. I had a you know thirty minute conversation with my dad. Yeah. And my dad's always been very stoic. Yes. Very like due diligent kind of tell you, hey, do this, do that, good job, not a good job, you know? I want to learn to be more stoic. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Never, never in my life have we had a 10, more than 10 minutes long, 10 minutes, more than 10 minutes long conversation about anything. But on Thursday, a couple weeks ago, we were able to have a 30 minute conversation about what he felt when I left. Yeah. What he felt when I decided to go to grad school. Yes. And that connection is what I really desire. Yes. Deep in my heart. Yes. And I'm not sure if I could ever have that if I was around him. Well, you've, you've grown up, right? Because your, your parents sent you here for school, right? Absolutely. Because yeah. you're a derelict. I hate to give out, I hate to give out <laughs> private information. The truth <laughs> comes out. <laughs> <laughs> and because he was a derelict and the schools in Taiwan were too tough, so she, they sent him to America for uh, easy schools. <laughs> Come to the USA. <laughs> Take care of you. For the easy school. Well, I, you know, I remember uh, seeing your family, hearing your dad speak at the wedding. It was very inspiring when you got married. And yeah. so they're very cool people. But I think that what you're talking about here is the is is a really awesome thing because I think a lot of us know how to have a quiet time and find momentary peace or transitory peace. 
But it sounds to me like what you've done is you've pushed yourself to go on a journey to find peace when when things are not as you want them to right. be. And I think that's probably a good thing for everybody out there to hear is that sometimes life sets up in a way that is completely counter to what you want and even what you need. And to find peace in that moment, like Vince is finding, confidence in that moment, that's what we're looking for when we talk about finding sacred space. Yep. And so that along with you and your family living in Hawaii and making sure <laughs> you've got go. a, making sure you've got a room for me first, first and my family. I'll live in the cottage behind your home. <laughs> so that's all all good. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. Um, so we were talking about the phrase quiet time would indicate two things. There should be quiet and we should devote time. In my experience, there's been more emphasis on time than quiet. This section on finding sacred space is meant to bring balance. First of all, like any relationship, our intimacy with God will grow based on the amount of time we devote to the pursuit and building of the relationship. 30 minutes is probably a good place to start. 15 minutes of prayer and 15 minutes of reading. As we mature in our faith, this should grow to be at least an hour. On occasion, we have to adapt, breaking the hour into 30-minute increments, once in the morning, then again in the evening. The key is to start where you can be successful and then inter- incrementally increase the time. So the key is to start where you can be successful and then incrementally increase the time. Nathan, do you have any tips for people about the amount of time they invest in and how they, they, they tackle those the, the starting points and, and, and getting where they want to be? Uh, I funny thing that I did to actually increase the amount of time that I, I wanted to push the amount of time I could pray. Yes. And like ha- and sustain a conversation with God. Yes. And so what I did was I went to Google Maps and I set a route. Yes. That like once you start, the only way to like to make it back is to like finish that time you know, to finish that route or whatever. Cool. And so, because before I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go pray for 20 minutes. And then I was kind of extreme. I was like, this is a time in my life when I was, I needed, I wanted to get engaged. I needed to grow spiritually to be more, more mature, to be, do better at handling just my own emotions as well as my fiance's when, as we're just being more honest and more open with each other. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to double it. I'm like, I'm just trying to do this on faith. And I was right. like, all right, I'm going to set off, go out of my apartment, take a right. And the only way to get kind of set for myself the only way to get back is to loop all the way around which was like a 40 45 minute walk and so i was like once i start the only way out is through and so i had to keep going and keep walking and there was times where it's like quiet when i'm praying and i'm like i don't know what to talk about god but i'm out here and i'm like and i'm trying to to uh set that time with god to kind of increase it so that's a simple act of like going on a path, knowing that it's going to take you this long and just trying to fill that time with just expressing and talking and e- and even admitting that like, God, I don't know what to talk to you about next, but I do want to be here and I do want to talk to you. I had a person once tell me that, because um, I, I used to struggle to pray for an hour and they said, that's because you lack the spiritual depth. Mm. But the only way you're going to get the spiritual depth is if you go out and keep praying even while it's quiet. And it's a lot like physical workouts. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're the, the sort of new view of, of, of vigorous exercise is to push yourself to the point of exhaustion. That it's not necessarily uh, do you go work out at the gym for two hours. It's can you push yourself to the level of exhaustion on each thing. And so I think what we're doing, what you're talking about doing is when you get to the point where you have no more words, 
you've pushed yourself to the level of spiritual exhaustion or the lack mm. or the, the level of your superficiality. Meaning yeah. all of us have a level like that. Yeah. Right? And then as you explore it in silence, as you walk uh, quietly, there's one, I don't, I, I don't know where this is. And I don't remember where this is in the Bible, but there's the one passage, which I'm sure a lot of listeners will know, which says to God, I make my life a prayer to you. Mm. I think when we're silent, that doesn't mm. mean we're not praying. Again, we know Romans 8 talks about that when we can't find the words, the Holy Spirit does. No. And so make my life a prayer to you. So me, when you're silent and you're walking along, your life is still praying. The Holy Spirit's still praying. It's, it's, it's kind of like when, wow. you're w- when you're with the person and you're, you know, you're walking or you're, you're talking or you're sitting and you're at a restaurant. If you have a good relationship, you can handle silence. Absolutely. It's only when you have a bad relationship that you can't handle silence. Oh, that's so true. That's <laughs> such a weird thing, too. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Time invested is meaningless if we are distracted. The primary reason we become distracted in our time with God is because we have not selected a sacred space. We have failed to enter the presence and experience the power of the Father in his sacred space. In Psalm 68, in verse 5, the Bible says, The true God who inhabits sacred space is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. He makes a home for those who are alone. He frees the prisoners and leads them to prosper. Yet those who rebel against him live in the barren land without his blessings and prosperity. Psalm 68, verse 5 to 6 in the voice translation. There are six ways to find or create sacred space. Those who live in less populated areas will find sacred space more easily but those in heavily populated areas can create their own sacred space even amidst the crowds. Here is how to do it. Finding sacred space. First, the forest. Those who live outside cities will find that any wooded area can provide the stillness and peace necessary to meet God. Number two, the mountain. Find an elevated spot overlooking your city or simply a place to experience the peace, beauty, and stillness of nature and you will find yourself ushered into the presence of God. The water. There's nothing like a walk on the beach in the early morning or a location overlooking a lake, perhaps a walk alongside a river. These prayers tend to be not only peaceful but reflective. So those are finding sacred space, the forest, the mountain, and the water. But then there's creating sacred space, the walk. And you talked about that, Nathan. If you live in the city, it is absolutely possible to map out an intricate and creative walk through the neighborhood. You will find that from 5 a.m. until 8 a.m., most people are at home. So if you rise early and walk, you will find a peace similar to those in less populated areas. The music. Sometimes you find yourself in the midst of noise, especially when sitting in a cafe reading the scriptures, which is why we provide playlists at Deep Spirituality. And if you find the article and you look up the Creating Sacred Space section and find music, there's a link in that area to the playlist we've created for you that you can use. A great pair of headphones combined with one of these playlists will create sacred space even amidst the crowd. And finally, the closet. Remember Harry Potter? If he can live in a closet, then we can pray and read in one. 
If all else fails, create a closet in your backyard, a special table tucked into a corner, a cup of coffee, a favorite treat, and you will quickly find yourself transported to the heavenly regions. So to close out, do you guys have any advice specifically with them? I know, Nathan, you already talked about the mapping out using Google Maps, which is a really cool idea. Are there any other tips you have them about finding a sacred space or, or, or dealing with sacred and uh, finding and creating sacred spaces? I just, I was wanted to share the, as I read this section and specifically that walk section, uh, I totally thought of Genesis 5, um, verse 22. It says, in the NIV, it says, and after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. And I love that translation and that scripture because it really Beautiful. talks about how he walked with God. Yeah. And it puts such a clear picture in my mind about like they walked side by side, you know, and and through life together, you know, and and doctors always like to check, hey, are you are you are you exercising? Are you out? And you're like, hey, I go on walks for 30 minutes in the mornings, and right. they're like, oh, that's great. <laughs> so you're two birds, one stone, connected with taking care of yourself spiritual health and uh and your physical health but um i do think that that image of just walking side by side with god and continuing the conversation allowing there to be silence but um sharing uh, coming up with new topics to, to talk about with god on a much deeper level I so think you're younger and you just talked about walking with god and you just talked about um genesis 5 and enoch which is one of my favorite scriptures of all time yeah mm. But there's a song. Have you ever heard of it? It's a lot of people who've been Christians for a long time or older have heard, probably heard of it. It's called My God and I. Have you ever heard of it? Never heard Never. of it. Check this out. My God and I go in the field together. We walk and talk as good friends should and do. We clasp our hands. Our voices ring with laughter. My God and I walk through the metal's hue. We clasp our hands. Our voices ring with laughter. My God and I walk through the metal's hue. He tells me of the years that went before me, when heavenly plans were made for me to be, when all was but a dream of dim reflection, to come to life, earth's verdant glory see. When all was but a dream of dim reflection, to come to life, earth's verdant glory see. Then it ends this way. My God and I will go for I together, will walk and talk just as good friends do. This earth will pass and with it common trifles, but God and I will go unendingly. The earth will pass, and with it common trifles, but God and I will go unendingly. Your insight, and that song is a good way to end the episode on finding sacred space. Stay tuned for more podcasts about how to have a great quiet time.